yesterday and I missed everyone over the weekend. Damn, I don't know. Am I about to start doing these five days a week? I don't know. Very possible. What's up, 500? Play a song and let's uh, get into it. I got this new flooring uh, protocol thing. It's very interesting. I could revolutionize some things. Let me post it up top. What song are we playing today? Hmm. Oh, I want to hear that popular song again. <laughs> A little fruity and poppy probably for some people, but hey, I love it. Check this out. Flooring protocol. And we'll get into it. I just need to find my uh, stand. For music, I swear I get like pretty solid quality just on my laptop. Doesn't make sense. Where are we at? Tony, what's going on, man? I haven't seen you in a minute. Hope you're well. Just gonna play a song and then we can get into it. Y'all check out this flooring protocol thing. It's really interesting. I think it could definitely shake things up. As long as I can find my damn music stand. Uh, we're just gonna go. We're gonna wing it. Popular the weekend. Playboy Cardi, Madonna, one of the goats. It's Wednesday. You know what I'm saying. So let's get in that groove. I missed everyone yesterday. I don't think I missed a uh, daily space in a few months. And I was had some family stuff, and I was like, damn. You know what? I got. I gotta miss it. I'll be back today. And now here we are. Brain is ready to go. We're buzzing. Got the workout in. Up early. And now we're here. Popular. I've seen the devil. Down sunset. In every place. In every face. Woo! That beat. Dream to be popular, kill anyone to be popular. 
on top of her. Money on top of me, money on top of her. Daddy fuck on me, cause you know I'm pop. Daddy fuck on me, cause you know I'm pop. I know that you see me. Time's gone by. Spend my whole life running from your flashing lights. seen them in a minute i see tony's dropping that new shit too indeed phase two yeah let's let's go let's go i need to come through a space I'm, i think you're probably hosting a lot more space now with it tony right there we go what up tony? jim my dude yeah i got a big day i got drop number two of judgment day starts uh the pre-sale mint party is in an hour um i just wanted to pop by and say hey i haven't seen you for a minute either i was traveling a lot but settled back in end of last week gonna be sticking around in san francisco for a while so you'll see me in spaces more again hell yeah man yeah we've been i think we're on like i don't know what are we 500 like month three or four doing this weekdays so it's been good it's been fun i didn't i didn't do it yesterday i had family stuff but other than that i don't think we've missed really anything um but sam fran you've been traveling i feel like you're always traveling like you just like <laughs> you're like the master traveler well a bit of that yeah i mean it's been it's it's been a bit uh just scattered but it's going to get a little more focused. Like we're gearing up. We're going to go to Art Basel. It's probably the next travel we're going to do, which is early December in Miami. As you know, I don't know who's going. We're trying to figure out who the Web3 Music fam's going and trying to start making some plans. It seems like Cristiano secured a venue for at least one gig. Uh, 
I'm starting to find some other folks who are finding shows they're doing. But like, I don't know if you've been before, but like last year, there was quite a bit going on with Web3. And I think uh, Crypto Winter kind of like evaporated a bunch of that activity that was going on in Art Basel. But it should still be great. I mean, Marina and I go for the art anyway, because she's a visual artist. And it's, you know, the biggest art show stateside. That's that's cool, at least. And uh, so we're, we're going regardless. But I'm hoping there's going to be some Web3 mischief to get up to. Yeah, I think I'm going to be going, um, hopefully. There's a show that people are working on right now that I'd like to play. Um, I don't know for sure if it's happening, but it, it's got pretty good legs. And I, I don't know if I can say who it's with right now. Um, they're definitely like active in the community. Um, I think they just don't want to like announce anything until it's locked in, you know what I mean? So they don't yeah. like fail to deliver. Yeah, um, sure. Art Basel is definitely like the top event I want to go to. Like I may go even if we don't do that. Cause I don't know, it just feels like last year when I saw it, like I was like, damn, that's the, that's the number one event that I want to go to. I love Miami. I'm in Atlanta. So it's like close to, yeah, I, to say, I thought you were nearby. Yeah, man. So I feel like really connected to that culture down there. Cause I don't know, it's fairly similar to here. And I got like friends who moved there and, and, um, we go vacation there like a few times. And I have some friends who go like every year and, Miami's just a vibe, and it's not going to be cold in December, so that's big. Oh, my God, not going to be cold. It's going to be freaking beautiful. The beaches are amazing there. Yeah, I've got in-laws in uh, Deerfield Beach an hour north, so we go every winter anyway. Um, so we'll probably go to theirs first, you know, and, and Basil's like a, a bit later this year, like the official art show at the Convention Center starts on the 8th. So, like, I think all the mayhem is going to start, like, on the 6th, maybe the 5th. So we'll come out there a few days before that. My birthday's on December 1st, so we might get out there like a week in advance and be kicking around already. So let's stay in touch. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. I, I would. I, it seems like a lot of people are going. Um, and that's the other thing, too. It's like so many. Like I met like half the people I'm kind of connected with, and at least in music NFTs at Shiba Sequoia. And then it's like Art Basel is like a lot of the other people that I haven't got to meet in real life. What's up, Joe? So um and I dude, fucking I love Miami. Like I gotta go a little early too to get a little vacation in, you know. Um maybe get a little tan in, you know, because I don't know, was it gonna be like eighty degrees still? Oh yeah, I mean it stays nice and warm there. High seventies, low eighties. It's yeah, it's, dude, it's beach weather. And the beaches are just the best. Yeah, me and my girl, like we did this, um we were traveling a little bit like you in uh February and we did this um our lease ended in December. And so we were like, let's, uh, you know, I, I was kind of like, I bet rent prices are going to come down soon. That's kind of my uh, prediction. And they did. So I was like, let's just go do Airbnb, like in different cities for um, three months. So we're going to do DC, Dallas, and Miami. But we ended up staying in Dallas for three months because my brother's out there. And like, we haven't really got to hang out since college um you know the majority of my family or my family stayed in atlanta except for him so miami was the next spot but it fell through um just because I, I mean i love texas too they're very similar atlanta or georgia texas and florida are very similar states but uh yeah man that's uh, are you gonna do a show i i did see that cristiano was like putting i think putting together a show yeah, I'm going to be part of that one. We're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on, whether there's, you know, what kind of backline. I mean, it's all just like a friend's venue and it's like a garage, like a literal garage with 
some like classic cars in it or something. So Cristiano sent me a pic and I'm like, dude, that floor is shiny and concrete and looks like it's going to be so hot acoustically. Like, what? Like, how's this going to work? So it may end up being like acoustic sets. It may end up being full band and it would be like, you could maybe cram like a hundred people in there, like a small warehouse gig kind of thing, but that could be really fun and gorilla. It's somewhere over in Wynwood. Uh, so we'll see. So it may end up being just like acoustic guitars or a really small setup, or we could go, you know, a little more hog wild. That's one of the reasons I might want to get there early too and get on the ground. I might do some, you know, buy a few cheap instruments or do some equipment rentals myself. Um, I, you know, so we're still doing some digging. So yeah, if you got a line on any other events that are happening, even just to attend and be part of that, be great. I understand if you can't share it yet, that's totally cool. Makes sense. You, you don't want the organizers to rug. Um, they don't want that either, but yeah, so I think we just stay in constant communication right now, putting the word out and good Lord, it's like seven weeks from now. I know, dude, it's just cre- like, what the, what the fuck, man? Things just move so fast. Like Sheba was what? Seven weeks prior. You know what I mean? It's like, what is, I hate how fast time moves. I mean, I guess it means you're like moving, right? And getting things done. But at the same time, it's like, God, I, I wish it would just slow down sometimes, you know? Yeah. And that's why like, so Marina's got this big wanderlust. I mean, so our kids off to college, I had a knee injury and I had to get surgery and we were kind of stuck for like a year and a half, two years after uh, lockdown finally opened up and, you know, the world got back to some amount of sanity but we couldn't really move around at that point and now we can. So there's a bit of pent up like wanderlust. And Marina's like, let's go to Bali. I'm like, not when I'm in the middle of a drop, I'll have two hours a day where I can be on spaces. The time zones alone, assuming you even have good internet. Um, so we're just trying to dial in like, where can we go when for the next like month? And then, you know, this drop will probably take the rest of the year. I'm not in a hurry with it. It's 400 NFTs, you know, it could take a while. Um, but you know, we do want to do some travel and now there's a window closing on good weather in Europe. And also it's getting close enough, you know, close enough to God knows what's happening in the Middle East right now. So we're like, hmm, maybe we'll go to Mexico for like a month or something after Basel. So we might do that. We might go to like Oaxaca or Mexico City. Um, and those are great places in Mexico City. Oh, my God. Mexico City's got its own art Basel in early February. It's called Zonamaco. We went this year. That was freaking awesome. Ray was there at the same time. So we had a bunch of art friends and Ray was there the same week. So we went uh, to the studio where Ray recorded her album. She hasn't released yet. And I had a lot of good quality time with her. Um, it was just a really good time. So that's like an early fab. So we could potentially be doing this out of Mexico for a couple months even. So we're, we're still just trying to figure it out. Dude, Mexico is like the spot to stay, like extended stay. I love Mexico. I, I try to go like almost every year. We went... Uh, this summer to uh cancun and it was it, i well playa del carmen you know it's not quite cancun not as much like <laughs> it's gotten hella touristy though we used to go to playa before they even had atms like back in the 90s now it's like overbuilt up but it's still i mean the beaches are great it's really nice and tulum is still nice even though it's full of like you know weirdo people spending too much money and yeah i'm too scared doing- to go to tulum it's no, just... it's still, it's gorgeous. The restaurants are really good. It's it's actually really nice. It's not as stupid as it looks. There are posers galore there. Um, and then you go there and you're like, oh, I'm going to shop. I kind of do like this kind of like beachy desert wear thing, all that white clothing and all that. You, you'd look, rock that stuff, Maxwell. And then you go in and it's like $400 for a shirt and you're like, fuck off. So I went on Amazon like the other day thinking about this, thinking ahead of time. 
It's like Tulum fashion. And you go there and you can like buy clothes for like 30 bucks. You know what I mean? So you can show up and be like the Tulumers, but you don't have to like spend a paycheck on like basically some white rags. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's you see uh, the fashion. It's just like potato sack shit, right? It's very relaxed. It's like it's real good. I swear. <laughs> you yeah, don't need to buy have the beach pod to rock it, and you probably you know if you're still staying in shape, brother, you, you'll you'll rock the Tulum wear. You fit right I appreciate in. that. Yeah, I'm still in shape, man. It's it's every day. It's a grind. I got that heart condition, so it's like it, it's. I mean, I was always you know a workout guy, yep. but uh, it, it's like I got to respect my body and stay in shape every day. You know what I mean? Totally. It's and it, this summer was more of a, a cardio summer. I don't know. We didn't, we weren't around like a gym. Like other summers, I like try to, I don't know. It's just fun to like kind of like, I don't know, mess with like a goal, you know, each like six months with like how you're trying to like work out and lift and keep like switching it up so you keep your body on your toes. Yeah, totally. No, that's it. You got to do the confusion stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you work out a bunch? What's that? You work out a bunch? Well, I, d- I hadn't been because of the knee injury. It had been very focused PT, but like yesterday, I went on my first long, and it's been like six months post-surgery now, so things are good. Um, not perfect yet. So I uh, went on my first long bike ride around San Francisco, like through the city. They have this wonderful path into Golden Gate Park. We did that yesterday. So I'm recovering from that a little bit, but I'll start getting back to sort of more power workouts. I will probably never run again because of the knee surgery, but I was never a big runner. My big regret is I don't know if I'll ever get on a snowboard again. That's the stuff I'll really miss. But I'm paddleboarding, I'm hiking, I'm biking. So that shit's all good. Um, yeah, I bet it feels so mix good. It up every day. What's that? Yeah. I bet it feels so good, man. When uh, I've had surgery before, like in not being able to work out for such an extended period, like you go crazy when you're used to it. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's awful i mean it, it especially like when you if you like go into like if you're used to doing it all the time then you go in cold turkey i mean it literally takes like a month for your mind to like reset to not having that like dopamine uh like quote enhancement or, or rush totally yeah and then you know marina you'll meet her in, in miami and you'll get to know her like she's a bundle of energy she can't sit still so for her this is great that i'm like back in action now um yeah so anyway what so what do you guys talk about in the space i think this is the first one i've popped into ever that you guys have been running so give, give us the meta dude it's yeah it, it's it's the whole like it's the whole nine i don't know it's kind of like almost like these to a degree where like some days we especially fridays we just like fuck around like make jokes hang out share things and then other days like you know it's more serious i try to keep it like a little fleet free flowing like see what the community like wants to talk about or feel like feel like talking about that day you know we'll get into like the weeds with new protocols maybe like general nft stuff call it out as well as like music nft um news and and you know advancements or whatever so i would say it's a little more like free flowing and just trying to let you know community members just like have fun with it and keep it like an, an open forum you know share projects as well you know like 500 dropped and like decoup and um fondue all dropped like they were definitely sharing a bunch and kirk as well so um yeah yeah and here we are i mean thanks for keeping the fires burning because honestly i mean it's like right now the faithful are kind of hanging on by a thread i mean it's not it's just slow and steady grind right now and they're keeping these you know signals of maybe you know pulling out of the bear generally and and maybe just you know life picking up a little bit and it hasn't quite um got rolling hardcore yet 
But, you know, I think the folks who are grinding and working are still here. And a lot of the folks who weren't just in it for a quick buck in terms of collectors, fans, investors are still kicking around. Uh, but it just feels a little quieter than it could be. But, uh, you know, at least most of the folks we talk to seem to feel like just hang in there because at some point it gets rolling and it's going to get out of control again. And that's that's my point of view. And so I'm just I'm hanging through it. Plus, you know, when you're grinding on a big project and you get this many to sell and you really want to find your true fans, um, it is work, you know, but I, I think, you know, you just got to take a longer view on this stuff. Yeah, man, it's a, it, I see it that way, too. Like, it, to be honest, it's an advantage to still be here, in my opinion. Like, obviously, it can be like a little more demoralizing because it's so much more empty and like you really just got to like keep your mental good to, you know, trust the process of it. Understand like I kind of have like a mantra now that like consistency is the result, right? You know, it, it's harder to define results and everyone defines it differently. But you know, when you see everyone who does well in life, like they're all just super consistent. And so um, staying consistent in the bear market, like, I, you know, when a bull comes back, like people are going to see who stuck around the whole time. You know what I mean? And that's a massive advantage. Totally. And sure. Like there's going to be like influencers and other people who come in and probably succeed when things get bullish again. But the people who are here, like we know rugs and we know everything that like really happens. So it's going to be our job to call it out and be like, Hey, come over to this corner because we're delivering when liquidity is down. What the hell are we going to do when liquidity is up? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, we saw it around the turn of the year earlier this year where everyone else was, was, you know, in the shitter, but the music stuff was returning. And then, you know, ETH went up again uh, to kind of where it is now. And people were in Fat City if they had been investing in music NFTs. And so, you, you know, that cycle will come around again. I'm sure Kirk talks about this, if no one else. But yeah, these these things go in cycles, right? <laughs> yeah, Kirk talks about cycles probably the most in the space because I just let him go. <laughs> I mean, he'll be on the floor for 30 minutes talking about cycles. You got to collect one of his if you haven't, that new one, because then you get into crypto school. Then you get all, all of the info. Dude, I know. I have like a 10 or 12 like mint list that, I mean, includes like three people in here. You know, you, 500 and Joe. Things like, I'm about to release a thread about it from like stuff that happened in April where like my liquidity just got absolutely wrecked by, from that hack and like some fraud and stuff like I'm talking like I'm not trying to like be that guy with numbers with like 80 grand you know what I mean oh, so dude I'm sorry I appreciate it. it so it's just been recovering and like trying to bring new cash in and then the mint list is getting longer by the day <laughs> oh yeah well then hang in there boy that sucks I've 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 had a rip off before but it was maybe you know it wasn't it was small and I you know as my wallet was getting drained, I scooped a few things up before a uh, real disaster happened. And it was early, early in my journey. So, you know, I was naive, but I learned, learned a bit uh, for sure for that. And still, I'm not like, oh, my God, every day I wake up like in a cold sweat in the middle of the night going, I really need to move more stuff in cold storage. I really need to like get out, get all medieval and Game of Thrones and like get a freaking fireproof safe. And all. It's so weird. It's so old school, right? Oh no, dude! I got a, I got a handprint safe for that. (laughs) um, Like seriously, we are like it's we are living in Neil Stevenson's world for sure because it's like we need the retinal scans and all the other weird shit that like is is kind of Victorian. Like we need the fingerprints and the we need like levers we can crank. It's fucked up, dude. 
You would think all this high tech would just take care of it for us, but no. I know, and it's annoying because obviously it falls on founders, but at the same time, when like you, if you're like talking in a space and someone's like asking an artist, like what what should you do to like advance the tech? I'm like motherfucker, that's your job. Like you're coming in as the businessman. Like we're the artists trying to push this forward. Not everyone has like unlimited time, and we all got to play a role. Totally. You know what I mean? It, it it kind of annoys me when they're like, you know, what are you doing with the tech? I'm like. I'm we're building the culture we're building the community we're building like the product that y'all are supposed to like protect you know what I mean so I don't feel any type of way about you know investing in tech or something like that like that's y'all's thing like you guys want to be a part of like this artist culture and this fundamental like culture like that's that's on y'all I talked about that in Kirk's interview that one time and I was like I don't yeah I was there for that one yeah, man, that was that was that was dope. I was there for yours. It, he's uh, man, he's he does so much. I mean, we all know and we all talk about it, but it's I love his space is one of my favorites for sure. He's a master interlocutor, that guy. I know <laughs> it's incredible. So tell me about um, the drop quick and then I want to get into this flooring protocol thing. Um, get y'all's opinion on it. But so you're doing are you doing another 200? You're doing another 400 to get to 500. So we're doing another 400 and um, one second, I was just going to share this other thing up on the nest so people know, I don't know, how, how long is this space going? You're going to go for the next hour, two hours? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll mine starts in 45 minutes. I'll share in case people are space hopping anyway, if that's okay. Yeah, we can space hop over there. I don't, I don't mind at all. I usually try to do that when I know there's like a, a space from the community coming up. Great. Yeah. Okay. So I'm back to that. Sorry. My thumbs were fiddling around. I just Twitter spaces on a phone, but yeah. So, um, this is the second drop. The first drop, we dropped a hundred NFTs and it was one song it was the first song off the record. And now we're doing the next four songs. So, uh, all the songs, they're, they're like numbered cards or like a tarot deck. It's called an Oracle deck. It's not technically not tarot because you don't have the 22 trumps in the fool's journey, but you have four suits, your earth, air, fire, water, they're the elements. You have magical symbols, magical creatures, uh, and then a couple of rare versions of the elements where the, some of the element cards have tattoos. And each one of those is numbered as well. And they correspond to that number corresponds to the track, um, the number of the track in the collection. We're minting 10 songs in the whole collection, 1,000 NFTs, 100 per song. And we're doing them in album order. Uh, to kind of roll the story out as well. And Millie's been there for these spaces, and, and he can tell you firsthand it's uh, – the story is revealing itself as people come to these spaces and I play the songs and I, I share, you know, what's going on in the plot, but people aren't getting the whole thing in a straight line yet. And at some point, you know, when we sell the whole collection out, I'm going to do live online events. I'll stream the whole story, the music, maybe some liner notes and other companion stuff. I'll probably do this on discord with video and all that. It's going to take a while to sell all these and it's going to take a while to figure all that content out. Um, but yeah, that's what's happening today. Today's the pre-sale. If you already hold like Millie or Joe or some folks here, um, you're on the allow list for today. And then tomorrow's public sale. It's selling for 0.05. It's on Ethereum. Um, and again, it comes with these beautiful cards. So there's Marina, my wife is the artist, and she made 16 new backgrounds. So it's four cards times the four suits, four numbered cards. So there's a lot going on there. And the other thing we do is because it's an Oracle deck, we do divinations for our collectors. So, you know, we did that on the first drop that if you, you know, you had the one of fire and you had uh, bees familiar and an hourglass talisman that's in, you're starting a new venture 
fires, you know, all about power and activation energy. You know, you might have heard some of these readings before, Max. So, yeah, this is this is how we're doing it. So it's a combo of live theater, magic, music on the blockchain, and it's been really fun so far. And then we're taking the proceeds and we're developing the live show from it. Um, so after I pay myself back for making this record, after Marina and Wazy and my partners on this developing it get paid, then there's leftover funds that are going to pay um, a live theater. Well, they do live and immersive like VR theater development. So we're already storyboarding, you know, because there's this is a musical. It's a story. And it's coming out of my brain and, you know, went onto paper and went onto vinyl, if you will, you know, got, you know, got recorded, but it has not been performed anywhere. And that's a whole other phase of the life cycle of the project. So that's next. And early development starts with the proceeds from this project. So super fun. It's never been done before. It is the first musical theater on the blockchain. I'm proud of that first. Um, and yeah, and I'm all in on doing that. You know, you know, I quit the day gig a few months ago. And so I can relate to money being tight now because money's only going in one direction right now. And it's the it's the wrong one at the moment. But, you know, that'll come around. That's why we do this. We invest. We invest our time and energy. And hopefully this will come around and, and bring us great things later. Hell yeah, man. And I'm, I was wondering... Um where you were at with like the development of the um i mean obviously you have the the musical and the format and the story and it's been really interesting like hearing you tell the story when i've been in your spaces i think it's like super cool it's also like eerily relevant to the world right now um and i always is but yeah maybe this week more than ever right yeah no it's it's uh it's very disheartening but all we can do is like be humans and stick together you know what i mean um and this is a good way to like tell those stories too, right? Like through music and then through like the advancement of, of tech. But so the musical itself, like you said, obviously you're going to like live stream it and maybe add some like AR VR elements. Um, can you tell me more of like that process? So you're storyboarding it now. So I understand that. Um, and then like what would happen after that? Well, I mean, so it could go in a lot of different directions. We are really in the early parts of the creative meetings and I've been having one-on-ones with Kira, the director, who's, uh, it's Double Eye Studios is the production partner. And there's a director, producer, and a kind of a narrative person. And I'm mostly working with the director right now, uh, but the producer has been there too to just start putting together like a timeline and some list of key things that we need to be doing. But right now the main activity is working with Kira, uh, it's a great, it's a women-led team as well, which is super cool. I think it's great to have, you know, we just need gender balance and just diversity in general in the creative team. Uh, it, you know, Judgment Day is a very male story because it's based on, you know, the Old Testament. Uh, I mean, the New Testament, the last book of the New Testament in the Bible. So it's all very, you know, lopsided male. There's one strong female character in the whole thing. Um, and, you know, she's based on Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute in the, you know, so, you know, there's that whole like gender problem there, but. You know, oh, and that's, that's New Testament with Mary. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I misspoke. Yes. Yeah, New Testament. Yeah. So it's the book of the revelation. It's the, it's the, you know, capstone of the New Testament and in Maxwell. I know you were born and raised in that Christian environment. So you, you can, you know, the story. Yeah, so um, we got this great creative team, and we're just going through the whole libretto front to back. You know, it's a very solid story I have in my mind, which is lifted from the Christian book of the Revelation. Then I, then I layer on a bunch of modern tropes. It's set in modern times. It's you know, it's in the world we live in right now. It's, you know, Antifa, anarchists, global climate change, political upheaval. You know, and then sort of the savior comes along to try and save humanity and everyone believes him, but he turns out to be the Antichrist. Spoiler alert, everyone dies at the end. It is a cosmic battle between good and evil. 
So I wrote this in the wake of the uh, uh, run up to the Iraq war. So after 9-11, you know, Bush wanting to drum up support to go into Iraq, you know, turned everybody into a paranoid asshole who couldn't trust their neighbor because everyone's a terrorist. All that stuff was like in my brain. I'm talking about the late knots. I finished this thing around 2008. So, yeah, it's, it is oddly full circle right now. And, you know, we're coming up against the 25th anniversary of 9-11 in just a few years. So I, I feel like this is a timely full circle thing. And like you said, Maxwell, tensions in the Middle East right now. You know, I, you know, I don't want to capitalize on stuff like that. But that's, you know, as an artist, it's our job to tell these stories. Right. And, and if this is timely and this really is something that people can plug into and get some understanding from and share and, and commiserate with and maybe understand the world better than I've done my job as an artist. That's all I can do. Um, and yeah, so I completely I will, agree with that. Yeah. It, there can be like a form of imposter syndrome with like, oh, am I capitalizing on this current event? But at the same time, I mean, the story like proves itself that like that would be a bullshit narrative if anyone like ever tried to run with that, right? I mean, you have the blockchain just validating that anyway. Yeah, the, actually, the but the hilarious side version of that is Marina saying, please don't release this musical because the end of the world is actually going to happen. Um, you know, because sometimes <laughs> some TV show will happen like, I don't know, was that TV series or the, was it a movie? I don't know, Band of Brothers or the, you know, the things that happened that predated the 9-11 attacks. And, and, you know, people were saying, oh, geez, you can't have media like that because then, you know, war is going to happen or something. But I think a lot of times the artist just is, you know, prescient. And they tap into stuff that's going on in the ether, is you know, disturbances in the forest, if you will, and they pick up on that. So I, I, I think correlation isn't causality there. I'm like, I'm sorry, Marina, I have to release this. This thing is 15 years old already, and I'm getting it produced now before I die. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and I think the story's timeless anyway. But yes, maybe the production and release of this will be timely, given people's focus on this. But Let's face it. I mean, the human condition is always troubling and the end of the world is always right around the corner for most people anyway. Right. Yeah. So do you have so it's it's crazy that it's about revelation. I know like a decent bit about that as well. Like I, I know the Bible, like, all right. You know, you I, I hate if someone's like, oh, I know the Bible super well, because how the fuck would that be possible? But <laughs> <laughs> do you have like, is it were you raised in like a Christian home or like I was raised Catholic, but then Got it. as I was an adolescent and I started having kind of a personal spiritual awakening, you know, in, you know, say 11 or 12 or something, you know, I started longing for something deeper spiritually. And then I just started hanging out with church groups and evangelicals. They also, the real, the cute girls were there too. Um, so I started like hanging out in church groups in my teen, thank you, Millie, church groups in my teens. And um, that was actually a bad plan because, you know, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. But anyway, uh, the church church girls were, you know, they were a piece of work. But anyway, um, yeah. So that I would probably spend three or four years in my early teens, really steeped in evangelical lore, and actually getting freaked the hell out about uh, what sect? All that What's that? What sect? I don't know. It was uh, God. I can't remember now. It was Methodist, so long ago. Was it like Baptist? It was. It was Baptist based. I can't okay. remember what the church was called. It was like rural Southern Vermont. So, you know, that I didn't get into that level of sectarianism to even understand what the differences might be, honestly. Uh, but anyway, those things stuck in my brain. And then I was like, all right, I moved on because, you know, at some point I ran up against the problem that the, the you know, the church group or the, you know, conversation group leaders did not want to hear reasonable questions. And it, it the, 
the forum for rational discussion was limited and you'd hit a ceiling on that stuff. So I got super frustrated. Then I went off to college. I was like, screw that shit. But then every once in a while, it would come back with a vengeance. And I'd be like, wow, is this stuff real? And it's been something that's you know, sort of part of my makeup all along. And in, in a way, this work is also, for me, a bit of a recovery against that, that there are a lot of, I think, unhealthy aspects of the psychology around that Christianity. But at the same time, there's a lot of really healthy stuff. And there's a lot of really sublime stuff left. So if you start unpacking the story around Judgment Day and some of the lyrics and some of the themes, you know, there's some sublime stuff. Like if you knew the world was ending tomorrow, would you you feel like you would have lived a good life? Are you ready to be judged? I mean, regardless of, you know, your faith and what you think happens after, you know, just going through that thought exercise. What, what are the differences between people who believe blindly and people who are skeptical blindly? And those are the, you know, Maggie and Thomas, respectively, the two leads. He's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in anything. And he knee jerk is against anything like that. Maggie's super faithful, though. You find out through the lyrics she came from a troubled past and, you know, found salvation later. Um, so, you know, those kind of things are in there. And I wanted to stick to those themes, which are, uh, you know, more uh, broad than just fixed in one religion. But then, you know, against this, we've got a great plot, right? So I didn't have to make that plot up. And it kind of just kind of came out of me over the course of three or four years, again, in the early to late knots, where it was just like, yeah, this is this is a great story. Let's tell it, but let's have, you know, from the perspective of two people kind of having this relationship, love relationship, and a discussion between faith and reason. Yeah, dude, that's that's awesome how you have the perspective between two people i think that like honestly like to tell it best it has to be told that way um just knowing well, plus it's musical like, theater you got a male and female lead right yeah yeah and you so, have to have like antagonist protagonist and even though they sound like they're not that and you have like a very separate antagonist like there's still probably a little conflict there as well in tension oh there's conflict between them there's conflict internally for each of them it comes out in their solo numbers in the song and then there's a grand villain the antichrist himself he's called the one and there's lesser villains, like there's this rapper named Psy who sort of like starts out as Eminem and becomes Kanye by the end. And like, you know, it like starts out indie and evangelical and then turns into a corporate shill. And there's a thuggish kind of like uh, military general type running for president, you know, very power figure And then there's a hopeful uh, woman who just sort of appears as an avatar in the opening song in Act One, Peace on Earth. It's very happy, hippy-dippy, and it's very hopeful before it all goes to hell. So there's, you know, some archetypes and definitely tension in there, which also maps really nicely to the card collection, too, by the way. So yeah, dude, that's all just unfolding, you know? That's That's so circular with the card element. Yeah. That's sweet. So is there, like, a rapture in it? Um, Okay, so... I know uh, Revelation. No, like, well, modest. here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's implicit. There's no specific rapture in it. Uh, Maggie in her first big number, Prepare Yourself, refers to it. And that's that's dropping Prepare Yourself song number two in the collection. And that's dropping as part of Mint um, starting today. Um, and she, you know, does Prepare Yourself all the book of Revelation. Well, okay. So first there's a preacher who's Brother John, who's named after John of Padmos, who's the guy who wrote the book of Revelation, which is a, you know, crazed drug-addled fever dream, apparently, um, where he talks about all of the, you know, the Scarlet Woman and the Four Horsemen and all the big cosmic tropes. But then Maggie comes in and sings this number in the park where she and the church group are running around basically pamphleting, going like, you better turn or burn. You, you know, you, gotta, you 
uh, judgment day is coming, rapture is going to be here. Do you want to live, you know, in eternal damnation or not? I mean, all in this happy, super fun, Bo Diddley, you know, pop tune. Um, and so it's, it's presaged there, but nobody ever actually gets raptured uh, explicitly. Though by act two, it's clear that Maggie's still hanging around and we're in the time of tribulation. So she's starting to wonder, like, what did I do wrong? I thought I was supposed to be gone by now. And she's stuck with Thomas. Before Thomas goes off to join the Foreign Legion, basically to join the resistance and try and battle the Antichrist in Act Two, they have a big fight over this because she's like, "Oh my God, it's Judgment Day!" And he's like, "You're fucking crazy! I just I gotta go do something. I'm gonna go join these people trying to overthrow this asshole who's basically taking the planet over." Um, and then uh, world ends. She dies. He's the only one left. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, so I do explore a lot of this stuff, but yeah, if you read the whole story as someone who is schooled in the book of the Revelation, I think you'll find a lot of familiar material there. Oh, no, it's extreme material, or extremely relevant material, because um, the, the tribulation period is like the last three and a half years, because you have like the peace, right? That's like three and a half, yeah. it's like a seven-year period, Yeah, uh, and then you have peace. It, aren't they aren't aren't you supposed to be quote aware of the antichrist the first three and a half years no he reveals himself the last three and a half that that's right and there's actually a blues tune not in the collection but it's on the album that's on spotify there's a blues song called tribulation which i'm very proud of myself for making a blues, a blues song dude that's yeah they're singing the blues like about these people are out on the margins they're living on the margins now uh these are the ones that were fucking up shit in the nightclubs they were the like the occupy antifa like portland like white privilege assholes like trying to like stir shit up in act one and now they're like you know in threadbare gloves around a drum fire like living in the middle of central park which is a wasteland now and they because they won't take the mark of the beast you know so they're let out of the party and they're they're singing about all this in a tune called tribulation do you have like a, a mark like do you have what you call the mark in it it's metaphorical, but once yeah. we stage this live, I mean, this is where you can go crazy, right? Right, right. I mean, you could you could do it like fully based on like how the Bible interprets it. It's also really interesting, like, and I just found this, like, just found this out, like the NIV, right, versus the King James, like, they actually change the language of what the mark actually is, like, so uh, NIV or NLV, is it New International Version? Yeah, like that's a mark on their hand or like on their skin, but in King James, actually talk about it being like inside of you, like in you. Yeah, yeah, All that stuff. Sorry, I just, we just got an earthquake alert in San Francisco, so we're supposed yeah, to hide it. Had it too. You get it too, Millie? Do, do you see yeah. where the epicenter is by any chance? Um, so it says Bethel Island is like northwest of Stockton. It's oh. Kind of oh, we're fine. We don't need to duck and cover. Okay. If I was in San Fran, like I'd be, I'd be worried with Judgment Day that there's about to be earthquakes. The <laughs> well, there you go, right here we are. Speak, speak of the devil, and it's here. It's freaking earthquakes, <laughs> dude. That's fucking wild. I'm not gonna lie. I couldn't handle earthquakes. I remember my when I was like a child, like my uh, my parents were or. I mean, I was like one, but they're on vacation or at a conference in like L.A. or San Fran. I can't remember. And there was an earthquake when my dad was out of the conference. My mom was freaking out. Like apparently like she was covering me in the tub. Like it's like the most traumatic experience. Crazy. I'm like, I cannot handle that. But I, I love San Fran. I mean, it's obviously one of the most gorgeous cities in, in the United States. It was, it was a measly 4.4. That's no big. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's just like child's play. We're all good. Yeah, but Mac, Maxwell, you got to worry about hurricanes and shit, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, on, we just like worry about like maybe if there's a tornado off of it, if it's like a Cat Five, but that's just Florida mainly. I mean, we usually just get rain and maybe like a tornado that's like a, I don't know, off a of Cat Five hurricane. We probably get like an EF two tornado. So, um, and I'm in a pretty structured building. Like on, it's like one benefit of living in like apartments. I feel like they're so sturdy versus like having a house in in weather like that. Right, exactly. When we were in Dallas, like that was Tornado Alley was like that's different. Yeah, that's the tornado fires and shit, right? Oh my gosh, it was freaking terrifying. There was a tornado that touched down like maybe a mile from us, and my girl was at Orange Theory, and they didn't have her their phone. So I'm like calling her, like I'm with the dog in like the closet, like oh my god, are you like you pick up, pick up, and they just like went through the workout and like the trainers never told them. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. Like, what if something happened and the and the trainers like just knew what was going on and they just kept the workout going? Yeah. Wild. <laughs> but that's exciting, man. That's a crazy, crazy like story and great interpretation, in my opinion. I'm uh, why does he live? Are you allowed to reveal that or is that like well, that's, I mean, that's part of what you wonder at the end. You wonder, is this all in his mind in the first place? Um, you know, he's a narrative element to tell you all about it at the end. He's singing the title track, Judgment Day. That's the finale number. Well, there's a little coda at the end. But, yeah, he's he's singing that and kind of telling you about what he's learned, you know, from a spiritual perspective. Well, he's learned to basically have some balance about all this stuff and perspective but he can't really tell you what's going on he literally says i'll never tell as uh i think that's the last lyric of the last of the verses in fact i'll never tell um so yeah you're supposed to be wondering and that was a bit of wonderful artistic theft by the way if you've ever seen the film the michael tolkien film the rapture uh, with Mimi Rogers and David Duchovny, it's uh, that ending scene, and I don't want to spoil it too much, is lifted from that. Um, and, you know, as, as you know, great artists, uh, they do their best to steal, right? Um, and so I, that was a very inspiring little bit, and I love that film. And, um, yeah, so he's singing to you about it, and you're just wondering at the end, is it in his mind? Is Did he somehow get spared? Are there other people who are living? I mean, I've thought of having that as... Uh, a companion kind of comic book series that would be like you follow Thomas around post-apocalypse and he does live and he's being plagued by his memories of everything and you get a little backstory on him and Maggie a little bit more like side sidebars and and maybe there are wraiths or demons or something that are you know haunting him on earth and maybe they're just you know actual survivors of a nuclear holocaust who knows right so there's you know there could be some really interesting ancillary content to this at some point um, once it gets staged among the many, many projects and brainstorming. Yeah, I think that like is a very like almost I'll say obvious but obvious road, right? Like after all of this, like you can start releasing the ancillary uh content. And a comic book sounds like a really cool idea as well. So you don't like completely copy like the musical, but now you take it in another creative direction. Yeah, and I loved I mean it was my first medium I ever loved was comics and and I talked about this when I did uh, Lope Space NFT Oc Radio. That was that was actually the first artistic inspiration even though I grew up in a musical family. I thought I was going to be a comic book illustrator. Wow, that is quite the shift. I mean, also using like both sides of your brain developing like 
everything you've done in tech and then also and i can kind of relate to that because i have like a big like vc background and like people kind of look at it like so obviously it's involved with tech there's a lot of math and and then like music is like the other end of the the spectrum of that but like when you really dive into it it's much more like related than you would think and like the creativity crosses over much more than you would like realize and they don't teach totally. that in textbooks totally man well look we should get to the topic here yeah, the half hour that I'm going to jump and start mine Let's for sure. Flooring protocol. I don't know if y'all got to read the thread, um, but I mean, this whale.sploosh guy said that it was going to take over blur within the next three months. I don't know about that. I wouldn't be mad at that, obviously, but it's basically like it seems like they're trying to create like a syndicate protocol where and I, this is very bullish, right? You can come in and, and buy um, fractionalized pieces of like major NFT projects. And that kind of like already exists and they don't address that with some like hedge fund VC groups, but I don't think that there's like that are like DeFi projects, but I don't think there's access for everyone. And this is clearly just like a marketplace where there is. And um, I don't know, like, I don't know if y'all get to read through it. I'd like to hear your take. I think it's obviously bullish, especially like in a bull run and people like if this has some some legs, like people will will notice it right away. Um, It's a little complicated, but not really. I think one thing that I like about it a lot is it is not, in my opinion, like a Ponzi scheme. Um, All so many DeFi protocols are just blatant Ponzi schemes. Okay, shit. Everything when it comes to money and this and that, like, is obviously a positive scheme to a degree. But it, I don't know, it's really interesting. And I think that, like, obviously, they're probably not going to give a shit about music NFTs at first. I think, you know, one day eventually you could get there um, once we keep making noise. But yeah, I, I think it's a huge opportunity for like just people who don't have that much money to come in and buy fractionalized shares of projects they like. The thing that gets a little confusing is when they talk about like the vault versus safe box. And like ownership, I, they there's they talk about this vault, um, which yeah, this is probably where whoever the project, whoever's running the project, this is where they're going to make their money, right? Is yeah, load or all the instrumentation. Yeah, and the vault is interesting because you know they're basically claiming that like you can get liquidity because obviously that's a major issue with projects, especially in the uh, bear market. Is oh, okay, the quote floor price is this, but there's no liquidity to actually sell that. Um, and this vault looks like if you put the NFT in there, you do give up ownership. So now I don't know if it's like completely fractionalized um, or if you can get it back if you buy back into it because you're the original owner. Um, but it looks like it's a way to allow that original owner to get liquidity of their NFT. And I haven't seen a mechanism that has done that or figured that out yet. And that is, I think, almost just as important as access for you know the the general public in in terms of price it sounds super interesting but like the first thing that i was thinking of like immediately right off the bat is like like how would like utility be like divvied out to people who are like owning like fractions of that that's a really 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 good point (laughs) and i think i don't know like if you I don't know, these bigger projects would have to like backtrack into like making decisions on that. And that could piss a lot of people off. 
You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Especially if you're like, a, like an original owner or have like a full token to yourself. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't think you can't, I mean, you can't pull off ut- utility. I mean, unless it's it basically you have to own it outright and then you can claim utility, but yeah, that's a major issue. Uh, I just like to chime in here real quick. I, I jumped in late, and so I don't know what was talked about before this, but anytime I hear the terms fractionalization of these, I'm immediately drawn to the inherent risk of now you're possibly being considered a security. Um, fractionalization of NFTs is going to be something that the SEC is going to look at very heavily so proceed with a lot of caution with doing things like that and to answer the question on the utility there's no possible fucking way to fractionalize the utility so that puts that out the window so now you're really a security right like you're selling stake in this one item to other people like and how are you going to do that without making promises that are going to be tough to deliver um yeah i I, I stayed far, far away from any of that because it's just like, I mean, it also gets away from kind of the point of music NFTs, right? Like, you know, we I get that we need to onboard people because we need, you know, we need adoption, but you don't want to just go for mass adoption and remove the value of NFTs, which is somewhat of a scarcity method, right? Like, you, you know, you're you're creating value based on having you know, even even a three thousand piece collection. You know, if you think of it in terms of like, all right, if we have a hundred thousand people who are collecting music NFTs, then like a three thousand piece collection is still relatively scarce. Um, I just think that that's where a lot of the value prop comes from NFTs is that like intimate connection and that that like intimate value of like, oh, I'm one of only a couple hundred people who have this. Um, and so once you start fractionalizing, you're really, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily paving the way for success for us. I think it's just paving the way for more headaches. Yeah, I mean, I think music NFTs at this point is a little, it's not as applicable because the price is way lower. Uh, I think if like music NFTs went crazy and like the prices were way higher and there's collections trading at like four or five ETH per, then I'm with that, but I also don't know if the founders would be mad about it. Um, I Obviously, the SEC is a major concern. The only thing I will counter that with, I mean, first of all, it's just the general outlook. Is that even going to like be an issue or are they just going to, you know, be like, okay, we're good. This isn't securities, et cetera. But I have friends who like are really into like IRL art, right? And they buy like fractionalized pieces of IRL art. So you know, that kind of like addresses the SEC to agree. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of a floating market, even though it's not like those, on chain. Those companies, though, are they registered? No, no way. No, not, no. not for fractionalized art, no. I'd be curious to look into that because like there is, look, there there is a certain level of like, okay, how far will the SEC really go? Like how much is worth their time and money? So I, I'm in agreement there. I also think that if you're not, you know, if you're not trying to take this income that you're getting from this and converting it back to USD and putting it in your bank account and using it for your everyday purchases, I think you, you know, they're going to have a hard time managing it if we decide to just remove ourselves from the traditional commerce 
and say fuck it like we're 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 here we're all in on crypto like good luck regulating that because there's a million wallets out there and i'm sorry but the fucking irs has no idea how to look at any of this stuff even though they've got all the resources in the world to be like learning it they're still requiring self-reporting of all these things and if they're still requiring that then they're definitely a long ways away from actually being able to figure this stuff out on their own um i don't know i'm just still very i'm very cautious getting it like i don't know fractionalization is just such a weird thing like nfts are already a fractionalized piece of something you know right unless you're dropping you know if you're dropping a collection of a hundred pieces and you're um and you're dropping like a hundred different songs then that's different but we're not right we're dropping one song and a hundred copies of that so like that's already fractionalized so i i don't know yeah no i mean i'm i'm, I'm with it um and obviously like fractionalization is now like a threat to scarcity um it's also like the artist decision though too right i mean that could be like part of your pitch is like this isn't fractionalized and it is more scarce um and on the other side of the token as well is like i like that it gives you know people who don't have as much money like the opportunity to enter um which can add a lot of liquidity to the market it's interesting but we're also in a bear market right like i i guess i i guess i this the whole liquidity discussion but even like in a bull market right what about some like kid who only has 10 bucks but he's obsessed with this shit and you know he's a champion for it he talks about it all the time because that has inherent value and now if you can have some true ownership he's only going to do that more yeah i mean look i get the inclusivity part of trying to make it attainable and i feel like so like sound has kind of done that with the forever edition right like you know you're not really getting the song still getting to kind of be a part of the community but there's like limits to you know what you're going to get at that price point and then i guess i mean look you're right 100 percent that it's like it's it's completely on the artist to decide if that's going to be best for them um and i'll just say like i don't i i don't see a lot of us going that route in terms of like okay yeah like oh yeah i wouldn't right now no you know there's art there's artists selling their songs for pennies on sound right now and i don't see a lot of us rushing to do that which that would clearly create accessibility you know, like we could all go list our songs on sound for a penny right now and, you know, and sell it like that. And then it makes it accessible to everybody. But like, that's not what we're out here doing because we know the value of our art is higher than that. And so I, I don't know how fractionalization will affect that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like knowing the value of your art is higher than that is also still like <laughs> people are still doing it on uh, on sound. Like I don't ever plan on on doing that um unless it's yeah sure some like whatever their new thing is with the free edition or the forever edition you know i don't think that's necessarily a bad idea um because it is you know the opportunity to like grab some form of free nft to join the community um but and if you're smart as a as a founder right like nobody has really created a specific utility for that yet right because everyone's like ah it's a it's a dollar, you know, your, your utility is the picture, but like eventually that meta is going to change. It's going to have to, cause like why, you know, I, there's only a certain amount of people who are going to want to spend money on a digital picture. And like the people who are buying hundreds of copies of these, like, okay, what do I need a hundred copies of the same image for? Like, I, I really only need one. 
And like, I don't mind buying the sticker to support. And like, I get that for some, they're using it as a way to like mitigate their feeling on being tipped for their work. But like, if you were really smart about it, you could create a special utility for that and encourage people that don't have the money to buy the full edition to actually still be a part of it. Cause like after you buy that dollar NFT, like, are you really going out and shilling that artist necessarily? Are you really going out and like being the supportive community member to, to help push their career forward? Like, no, there's very few people who are doing that based on a $1 purchase. Um, so like, I, I think that as we, as we grow as an ecosystem, you will find people creating special utility, whatever minuscule amount that, you know, you want to make it. I mean, I get it. It's still only a dollar, right? You're not going to give them the same access as the people who are spending, you know, 25, 30, 50, a hundred dollars on your NFT. But if you create something for them, you know, now all of a sudden there's a value prop for that price tier of of what you're offering as a part of your community yeah i mean i'm completely with that one even if it's just like access to like the discord or a certain you know section of the discord which i think would be you know make the most sense um yeah i i think too that you know like we're talking about it's on the artist but i also think maybe there's a little bit of an advantage to where you know obviously like music nfts don't apply to that protocol at this point they're only starting with a few of the major projects where you know the market's going to decide what they think about the protocol in the first place you know what i mean like it could it could floor like these big collections oh yeah i mean this is you know we're always going into all this blind right every day there's a new platform a new launch pad a new idea <laughs> you know it's like people i don't know i i think that at a certain point people got to look at the dilution of this stuff and say, Hey, where is our time best spent? You know, it's like, it's every, you know, why aren't we encouraging some of these platforms to adopt some of these features rather than everybody? Like, I mean, but again, this is where it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a cash grab. Maybe it's not, you know, it's going to be hard to know until we see it roll out. Um, because like everybody wants to be at the forefront of this given tech, you know, this given expansion, this given, you know, feature. And at the end of the day, like, it's gonna dial back. This is like every cryptocurrency out there, you know, like, with time, we're gonna be narrowing down, right? There's no way there's gonna be hundreds of cryptocurrencies out there that we're all exchanging in between. And we're on this market. And we're on that, like, no, if we really want to see crypto, as the as the financial center of how we trade goods and services like there's going to be a few you know the, you we got however many countries in the world right you, they all got their own currency that's fine like that's maybe where it ends though right because if you've got hundreds of currencies within a single country that's just not going to be sustainable it's going to be too much of a pain in the ass to explain to people and you're not going to get mass adoption that way so like I think as a collective, we also have to just be smart about how we're how we're moving forward with all these new platforms and all these new protocols and all this new this. Oh, well, there's this chain. And oh, well, if you release your music on this chain, then, you know, that's better. And it's like, what? Like, like why are we dividing yeah. ourselves and, further and further? 
iteration is part of the moving forward process, right? Sussing out like what that actually is going to look like. I mean, just look at like how Bitcoin and ETH has been adopted way more than, you know, other tokens. I know they were like first, but I also think that their value props are much higher than other tokens. Like look how that has been adopted over time. Um, so we're obviously in such just like iterative stage. And I think this is part of it. And, um, you know, us making decisions of whether we want to like take, like, I don't have a friend tech. Um, us making decisions is going to be part of what pushes that forward um, or, you know, weeds out the shitty projects. I, I, I think I like it for the most part. I think that the scarcity argument that you're making is like the number one argument against it. Um, but then, you know, maybe look to like the general, you know, IRL art market and see like if those fractionalized pieces um, were really affected because at the end of the day, it's still only 10,000 or 1000 pieces of art now you just have access to it i think you're also though in the irl market you're talking about a way different price point and you're talking about a way more scarcity level of that art like if you're buying a banksy piece like there might be all there's only one of these fucking pieces so like of course you got to fractionalize it so like this is where i really like nfts are already fractionalized versions and so to like refract them essentially that that seems kind of crazy to me because there's already not enough of a value prop on most collections you know a board ape okay maybe you could argue you could fractionalize those you know they're they're individually still valued even in this market at like forty thousand dollars or whatever it was that i just read and so like okay that price point per nft is at a point where maybe you have to fractionalize it down to grow your community more if you want to grow that without diluting the entire collection with more pieces but yeah i mean like a single piece of irl art being fractionalized for the sake of a lot of people owning a piece that's worth that much i mean that makes sense to me i don't know i just can't wrap my head around fractionalizing a ten thousand piece collection yeah, very good point. And it's also interesting that um, it's originally avail available for pudgy penguins, utes, and azuki elementals. So not even main azuki. And I think that that's kind of bearish, right? Because of course they approached Board Ape and, and D Gods and, 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 you know, the main azuki project. And, you know, as of now, they don't want to be involved, right? Because they're not mad about adding some liquidity to their projects, I don't think. Um, but so therefore they obviously have concerns that are probably all the ones we just listed, if not more, you know, cause they, they're, you know, much more like in the woods, understand what's going on. Adibody, I saw your hand up. Yeah, no, I was just going to chime in and, and say that that's the only way I could really see it because like, you know, IRL, there's like extreme scarcity of like, you know, there's like only one of that painting. So it does make sense to like have people, multiple owners of that. Um, and, and the only way I could ever see this, like, taking off or being a part of the ecosystem is if like it's it's more high-end you know high-end art that's or like you know like board apes or something of the sort because you know it'd be pointless for anyone else or anything else but there's so many problems that come with that like we mentioned like the utility or just so many other things that like because with with the nft you're getting a lot more uh things that you would get from an irl art piece you know the it's it's a whole other type of, of system of ways of doing things. So, yeah, that's the only way I could see it. But even then, it would be such a thin margin of people who it would be applicable to. I, The fact that you even said Azuki Elementals is part of that, 
I'm immediately questioning it. Cause yeah, like that's immediately bearish. Literally, sure. <laughs> literally the elementals collection was a dilution of their collection with not enough of an art upgrade for tons of money that they sucked out of the ecosystem. And look, I'm not saying I have anything against Suzuki. I, I like their art. I love their lore. Like it's a super cool concept, but like to say that this isn't more of a cash grab after they pulled, like, what was it? Was it $30 million? 40. Yeah. 40 million fucking dollars they pulled out of the ecosystem for what was basically just a dilution of their already huge collection like that. That's crazy to me that now they want to be a part of fractionalizing that further and drawing more liquidity to something that people are already unsure of. Like, what the hell is is the point? Yeah, that's a great point, because I've also never seen a project like when they drop uh, additional art, right? have their floor price and not go down i mean not in the bear market at least exactly yeah exactly it's like it's hard because it's so difficult because what what value prop are you giving to the new people who are coming in that also adds value to the people who have already bought in and who are already a part of it right like the only value props liquidity but how do you know it's not going to floor the project in the first place well, and how and how can you guarantee that it, after some time that there's going to be enough liquidity to continue to support this method right like there's just not enough liquidity in the entire ecosystem already so the idea that you're going to be able to just suck more out of it by diluting your collection is crazy like to me i don't get projects that don't just add value and and make it worth it to to spend that six thousand dollars on one fucking jpeg like oh my god like i'm sorry even if i had the money there's little chance that i would be doing that because what are they really offering other than a private members only club you know, look, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, our members only club is worth a, a $10,000 one time entry. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's also all they're offering, really. You know, you're 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 offering them like some kind of notoriety for holding this PFP. And like to me, there's no way that the ecosystem continues to support that in the way that it is. You know, there's just not enough rich people in the world to be spending all that money and be the only support system for that. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to know that Pudge Penguins is going to be a part of it because obviously people got way more bullish on them once they actually started dropping those toys. Um, so I'd be curious to hear from like their founder, you know, the reasoning for it. Did you see, well, so I'll, I'll tell you because I see. No, other, no I, are you talking about all the fud about him? No, I just I see the other side of it. I did watch the video of him explaining how he basically bought likes and and clicks to sell this this marketplace idea that he had where he was claiming to sell high end gear and admitted that most of what he was selling was like local things that looked like high end items. And he was using the high-end items to draw people in. So, like, if that's a deep fake video, then it got me for sure. But that seemed like a real video to me of him explaining his marketing process. 
And so can you send while, me that video? I didn't I never saw that. Oh, I've got it bookmarked for sure. Because I was like, oh, my God, I was like, if this <laughs> uh, this can't disappear. And if it ever does, then, you know, it was real. Right. Like if he gets it pulled down, you know, 100 percent that he's trying to protect his image. And I'm always I've always been a big fan of Luca. I'm a big fan of pudgy penguins in general because I think their concept is right. Like they have to get into the IRL market. They're a fucking cartoon penguin. Like they have to get into the IRL market. So like I'm happy for them that they got into Walmart. I I do think the long term, the five to ten year value, not the five to ten month value is very good on pudgy like i think that it's going to benefit a lot of holders the way that they're doing their ip stuff like it's really really smart but did some of that come on the coattails of fake clicks and likes and follows maybe like watching him explain what he's already done in the past you know if you have just enough money to put into marketing i can definitely be done so like i'm everything with a grain of salt with that stuff because i don't really know what their end goal is going to be but i do like that they went into the toy market because that's what you should be doing with a fucking cartoon penguin jpeg yeah man there's a lot of like kind of like shady things that have happened allegedly but also like some with proof in his you know in his past but then you look at how he's executing on pudgy and all the eyes that are on him now in his story and like there's not really many holes in terms of the pudgy project as a standalone um so that's really interesting but it, it the the problem is though it's like okay long term like can i trust this guy robo what's up hey bro great conversation i'm absolutely loving this uh, can you hear me okay or not yeah i can hear you great so yeah man uh, luca just came out either the day or last night i mean i'm in bangkok so i'm a bit ahead of you guys uh luca came out with like a quite a big bold brass statement didn't he about what other projects have been like doing like preparing for the bear where this they were just doing this i thought it was quite a brash bold statement uh i'm not saying going after some other founders but you know he's like a dog you know pissing on his uh, area saying this is my area this is where we live but in regards to the convo earlier, the, uh, the and I've heard about that uh, fun, by the way, there's a lot of crack about Luca on the on the dark web, you could say. Fractionalization of music NFTs is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I, I want to prod this a little bit further, guys. We've been trying to sit down six people in a room, brainstorming, right? We're, we've dropped, uh, we're now on our sixth track. We've done one EP. We airdropped like a 12, 30 minute video, four track uh, video EP, right? For the people that collected the singles. Like, we're not mugs, right? Uh, royalties. Uh, I mean, fractionalization's nonsense. But also, I think royalties. I think music NFTs, people are just totally looking at it in the wrong way and not like relating it to kind of like kind of Web 2 or even Web 1, for example, right? But like, Let's say I'm like, you know, Tupac or whatever back in the day and you buy my CD. I don't want you like listening to it and then going selling it at the yard sale. I expect that to be in your like collection for years. So I think by creators, like uh, if if as a mass, if this actually happened as a movement, right? Zero royalties on music NFTs, I think would actually have this kind of like crazy reverse effect where like everybody would just keep them as we've been describing them as like trinkets. Yeah. My old grandma, 
used to collect like trinkets and little teapots and that, and she kept them there on the shelf and she loved them and dusted them all the time. My music NFTs are going fucking nowhere. Like, so therefore, why, if, if, which mindset do we want? Do we want the mindset of ongoing revenue? Well, artists should have to create new music and new stuff for that. And this, I think, people talk about fractionalization. Video on demand is where this is at. Now, I'm going to come in as a fun fanboy very quickly because he's got his hand up. I would happily pay money to be able to jump on VOD, right, on, say, like a, a platform like Omniflix or something that's got this already, whether it's token-gated because I've like, bought his last single or whatever, right? I'll happily go and pay to watch Fondue play like his latest single. So I'd say Brown Eyes, for example, right? Do I just want to listen to it on the headphones or, you know, when I'm working away? Or do I want to see him do a live lounge-like version? That's where the money is and that's where the revenue, not frac, for fuck's sake, fractionalization, man. Which plebs talking about that fun? I, I don't think that I so I, I want to clarify. I think Max had kind of clarified this that they're not really talking about music NFTs for this right now. We're just all music NFT people. So like we're yeah, this I, is the general market. Yeah. Market so like I immediately products. went there. They're actually talking about even worse. In my mind, it's even worse because like talking about fractionalizing music NFTs is one thing. They're talking about fractionalizing huge collections already and diluting it even more. So no. Um so I do want to say, I think that we're going to find that there has to be a balance, right? So like, yeah, like the royalties discussion is all over because what are you really getting? You know, you're getting royalties on the sales. Okay. But are you as the artist really going out and pushing your brand in a way that merits that, you know, traditionally you get, you get plays, you know, or you get paid on plays in like the traditional music market because you're on the radio so the radio is licensing your song to be able to play you're maybe in a venue they're licensing your song to play or, or they're paying you know whatever the general licensing company is and then they're all divvying up all the cuts you know so like i don't think we'll see us get away from that model completely um, but I think that, you know, yeah, look, if yeah, you're, I mean, I'm completely pro royalty. I, I, yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not against royalties and I'm also not yeah. against what you're saying, by the way, Robo, like a lot of music NFT people do exactly what you're saying. They may not do it on the site that you mentioned, but like, I know Violetta does a weekly, you know, live show for holders. Um, and I know, yeah, I, I think, think I've done like 12 private live yeah. concerts. So like, yeah, there's definitely people doing that and there's definitely value to that. So I'm, I'm with you on that part of it. And I think that again comes back to this difference between the artists of like, okay, like, are you trying to come to music NFTs and do what you could very well just do on Apple Music, right? If you're just gonna be on spaces and promoting all your stuff every day and you wanna sell it for pennies, like you don't really need to make a music NFT to do that. Like you could literally promote your crap on, on Apple or on, on Spotify, you know, you could just put it up there and then nobody has to buy it and you can just go promote yourself. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just so weird to me because like, I do get, you know, when people have talked to me and been like, no music NFTs are different. Like this is not, this is not Apple music. Like it took me a little while to really, well, you have to say why, right? Cause like a buck, it's like, no, I don't see a difference, but like, so explain why. Yeah. Well, and, and that then falls and, on the artists. Well, and it's right. It does. It very much falls on the artists. And so I think also the buyers have to be more responsible with what they're supporting 
And with speaking up, if you see, you know, I had a great conversation. I don't see him in here. I feel like he's getting rugged, but casually. And I had a great conversation about the drop that he's going to do on sound. And I'm going to be co-hosting a space for him on Friday. Um, and talked a lot about like, yo, what, you know, what are you going to do for this drop? You know, what have you decided that you're going to put in place for the future? Like, you don't have to roll out, you know, he described it as a roadmap. And it's like, you don't have to roll out like an entire roadmap of your entire life of music. But you should have a direction that you're sending this track. Like, and if the goal is just to drop the track and make whatever money you can off the track and then drop another one later, like that, the music NFT scene is not going to put up with that for very long. You know, you've got to be rolling things out in a way. You got to be intentional. Yeah, you got to be and very. People, the collector pick up on them very quickly. Yes, especially exactly. in a bear market because they're sophisticated. That well, and this is like so. This is like the conversation of if you're in a store and it's super busy and you can't find somebody to help you get something. It's not that big a deal. But when the store is fucking dead, there's nobody walking around. You're the only fucking one trying to go in there buying, and you still can't get anybody to help you. That is extremely obvious that the store is not like doing what they need to do employee wise, like your employees are not being attentive to the customer service side. So like, I feel like that really compares to a bear market where, yo, there's not enough going on for you to like slip under the radar here. Like we're all going to see it. We're all going to know what you're doing. And especially because of how tight knit the music NFT community is really like the people who have been here have been here. And it's like, oh, there, you know, you're gonna get called out for this. Like as you go, like you're gonna get called out. You don't drop stuff like we're just trying to drop shit on Spotify. And if you're going to, then do it in a way that makes sense. You know, you're not dropping the same tracks, or if you are, you're not really, you're not making drops every week or every, you know, or every month. Like I don't know, you have to really manage that if you don't want to be looked at as somebody who's just trying to drain the ecosystem. Fun, have you been fun? Have you been looking at our latest? Uh, I know you've been following, I know you have. Did you see the numbers 115 as of today? We were really happy. I just want to give a quick uh, preface, guys. If you hear me speak, it's not as an artist, like I am not that I haven't got an artistic bone in my body. I'm kind of like I, I would describe it as like a modern day manager or fixer. I prefer the fixer term, actually, right? I just work in the background, like. So we've got a digital artist, we've got a rapper. He's been rapping since 2004. And only now is he really got it like Web3, understood things. And we've been doing this, like I say, like, you know, nearly seven months. And we're, we're, we're not mugs. We're really putting out really high quality content, by the way. It's not shit stuff, you know, I'm airdropping communities. But whatever I say, if you guys, because I know you all are pretty much, I've looked at your profiles, you're all artists. If I ever like do say anything or have any pushback or you know something like the zero royalties because I, I heard you're all big pro royalty that's just me being the guy that's not the artist and to be fair our digital artist he's only young we take care of him out of our own like back pocket like really well finn the rapper doesn't want anything he's got his own web 2 stuff he's got band camp he's had for like you know like i say nearly 20 years he's done so many albums and stuff but the early stuff's terrible but he's just starting to find his stride now but wait, the, the biggest problem we've got is distribution. I mean, it's with, with music NFTs, we're on our third blockchain now. We're dropping a 16-track album, four EPs, yeah, all with, like, individual, like, raccoon art, et cetera. For fun, noise he's been following. And it's really good. We're getting much better. But a distribution is killing us, man, guys. Even though we're hitting numbers now, we're still like, right, where do we go next? 
how do we do it? You know, zero royalties. It's, I think it's like about 120, or it was 120 when we started. The token prices dropped a bit. We'll be able to change that when we can uh, do it in USDC very soon. But how do you cure distribution? How do you get enough copies out to the masses would be my question. But that's not that's not what music NFTs is right now. And that's that's the thing to understand about it is that it's not getting out millions of copies to the masses. Like it is it is much smaller, tight knit communities that you're building. And so it's it this is and this is why the industry people who are coming in here to try and sell NFTs are struggling because they're used to traditional models you go out you market you do shows and you're gonna say if the music is good you're gonna sell copies right but like here there's tons of good artists and there's not a lot of people collecting right now it's a it's it's a small group of collectors and so we're talking time like you you want you want thousands or hundreds of thousands of people collecting your nfts we have a long a long way to go like there's there just isn't that number of people here. So like if that's the if that's the current goal, then you're going to beat your head against the wall for a while because we're still a ways from having yeah, that think level of adoption. Yeah, I don't think distribution is a huge problem in Web3 right now. It's just a, it's a massive problem in, in Web2 when you have a lot of experience there. Right. Distribution is everything. Um, I'm, I completely agree with Fondue. Joe, sorry, out of body. I, I'm I'm gonna skip you real quick. I've heard from Joe. Oh no, that's okay. I'm um, on my lunch break. What's what's good, on Joe, tell us your thoughts. You're muted, Joe. Joey, my question. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm old. <laughs> My question for Robo is, why why do you need the district? What's the price point on the on the tokens that you're selling? Robo, what's your what's your USD? Sorry, yeah. sorry, boss. I, I I will apologize for my my tardiness there. I was uh, DMing our archiver, so we've got like a professional. Uh, We've got over like 300,000 uh, spaces archived with uh, Terra Spaces. And this is an amazing space. So I'm just ensuring that like we do a very, very good job of like really like fun will tell you. Fun's actually got like a recorded show with us. Uh, so, yeah, I just made sure that this will be proper archive forever, you know, because this Here, is magic with you guys. Don't so, the rails yet. Let's because Joe's got limited time on his thing. So how much? It's one twenty. It's a dollar twenty. Dollar okay. twenty, and it's on a very unknown platform. I mean, the the, the token price is like uh, like half a cent at the minute, just over half a cent. It's just uh, took a bomb, but it's like we were trying to like align it with like that iTunes ninety nine cents kind of thing. But actually, Robo, Robo, yeah. what are you doing, man? I mean, of course you need distribution if you're charging a dollar for a, a song. That we did that in nineteen ninety nine. I mean, this is you're going the wrong direction, my friend. So, so the thing is, I think what you don't know is that the music is a secondary arm of like the main arm, which is the Rack FM Twitter Spaces that like we are renowned for. We have ninety shows in like now, like we could do like two hundred and something listens on average per every show. We've it's got like but, some decent but digits, but you're, you're we had second, for... the music secondary. The kid. 
Dude, the rapper doesn't want anything. He's the most antisocial like person you've ever met. We're paying the artist good money out of our own pocket, but we're just pumping music out to get like some recognition. I think it might be. But well, then why it's not worth it listening. Out? It's not worth listening to at a dollar. I mean, you're 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 saying that this isn't even worth listening to. It's not even worth buying because you could buy it at Apple Music and no one. I mean, I don't get I, you're I don't get the the setup here. I mean, if you have a piece of music, did it? I mean, either you have a hundred thousand people that are going to buy it at a dollar, and the kid can live for a year. Or you need, you know, you got to go the opposite direction. I, I just, I don't get the so pricing model. This hands up, I'll shut up, but there's, uh, there's a lot of context that's missing. And probably the show, I mean, Fun could probably tell you, it's a much, much bigger like organization than just me being here right now talking to you. There's like six people on the right, team. If there's so much organization behind it, that's exactly what Joe's saying. You're devaluing your organization by pricing it so low. And you need to think of like in the shoes of a collector, right? Like why would I be interested in collecting something that's a buck versus a hundred bucks when that's, you know, the artist signaling, right? That they think they're worth more. And so I inherently now view the project as worth more. You know, why do people buy $50 t-shirts and not $8 t-shirts at Old Navy. I mean, it's like because this perceived value. Exactly. But then how are you, how are you gonna feed your team if you have a team of six and, and you're pricing at a dollar? I mean, brother, that's not what we're doing here. I mean, that's maybe why you're needing distribution. I mean- I was about to say that distribution is a higher price because now there's more eyes on it. Sorry, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, it's the exact opposite here. You need. 20 people to buy at $50, not, or, or, or 40 people to buy at $25, but the dollar model. So, so can I, can I just give you some, a little bit more, cause there's so much context missing here, right? We've, the, what we've just released is the first track on a new blockchain, right? Well, not a new blockchain, but our, like where we've moved, right? The previous one, the fourth single of the EP, we sold it for 10 bucks, but we sold it for 10 bucks on the like promise that we would like airdrop, right? The, the, the whole EP. So we did four separate singles, all different artwork, like really original right, raccoon stuff, relevant. It's diss tracks on a certain ecosystem. People are relating to it. But we, we kind of like edged our price up a bit. The fourth one, we were like, bang, okay, $10, $9.99 and you'll get the EP drop, a 13 minute EP, proper video edited, absolutely fantastic, right? We did it, we dropped air, dropped 69 EPs. And then we've moved on to this new blockchain and it's got more users. And we were just like, like I literally said to the guys, what do you think? And we looked at the token price, like tank, and then we were just like, throw it out there. So our previous best number before on blockchain one was 43. And we've done 115 copies on this second blockchain. And we're like, right, okay, well, you know. I, I, so no, you've I, made $115 on 280 tokens. Roughly. So here, what I would say that I think is being missed, Robo, is like, I think the point Joe is trying to get across is like, if you're, if you're going for mass adoption 
and you're going for, you know, lot distribution in a traditional sense where you're trying to get, you know, thousands of people to listen to this music, regardless of what the like, I, I've heard you the art, you know, Finn's not looking to get anything off it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you should devalue what you're releasing. You know, that's the point Joe's trying to make is that like you're you've dropped the price because you're on a new protocol and the token price is shit. And so you're trying to like match with what you think the valuation is going to be of the users. And that's what Joe is pointing out is the problem. Like your value is your value. Like don't undervalue yourself regardless of where you are, regardless of the chain you're on, regardless of the value of the token that they're buying with. If your value was set at $10 and you've now gone backwards to a dollar, like now you might now you might have trouble explaining to people why on the next drop you're going to charge them $20. Whereas like if you go from $10 and you say, okay, I'm going to go from 10 and now I'm going to 15 and now I'm going to 20 and now I'm going to 25 and you work your way up. Now you've already set what your own bottom value is. You can't worry in music NFTs itself. And I know that your NFT is not music centric, right? Like, and that's the point that you're trying to get across. It's not music centric, but if it's not music centric, then don't spend a lot of energy on trying to explain to people, you know, why aren't, why aren't we buying this song? Like, you know, that's that it's like, you've got, you've got conflicting things going on right now where you're saying it's not music centric. And like, we're not that worried about, we're more worried about what we're doing over here with Twitter spaces and the value prop of the community we're building, but you're, you are trying to sell music NFTs. So like, if you're trying to do music NFTs, then there's a way to do music NFTs if you're trying to grow your community by giving a lot of music away, like you'd be better off just listing it on Spotify and doing marketing campaigns to push people to listen to it and bring them into your community than you would be spending time and money trying to market music NFT collections or regular NFT collections where it's like, it's just a completely different discussion. Um, so yeah. Uh, well, that's the problem with Finn. You're right. That's a problem with Finn. He's got his band camp. So the artist has actually got his own Web 2 thing that he's like, it's his baby, you know, and he's like, I don't care about NFT stuff. I don't care about the Web 3 stuff. Like, and he's leaving it to people like me who don't know, which is why I'm here. Yeah, but if he doesn't care, then like why you. are you working with him? I, I, that's, that's, I wouldn't work with him then. No, nice. Finn's look, I look, hold on. I'll stand up for Finn. Finn's Finn's a good artist. Look, this is like everybody. Nobody knows that they love music NFTs until they're really in it and they really understand the value. Right. You know, so it's like, I, I don't want to, I, I never want to be a person who like pushes anybody away from doing it. But I would say Robo, your, your energy would be better spent either going full into what Finn is already doing web two and pushing people that direction to build the notoriety of rack FM and what you guys are doing or pivot and understand that there's a completely different value prop discussion when it comes to nfts especially when they're related to music and you know jumping from chain to chain to chain to chain while i think like multi-chain is the future i think that you're also kind of making it tough on yourself like you'd be better off spending your time in one place and, and building your building your value within that chain rather than just jumping chain to chain to chain to chain because it's the new thing or whatever your reasons are. I don't know what your reasons were for changing. Um, but let's let's go to the I know I'm not even a co-host, but I'll just be that guy and let's let's go yeah, to the out of body rash real quick. And then I want to <laughs> hop over to um to Tony Space because I told him we come over there and y'all should definitely like follow over there as well after this because he's got a really cool drop coming. Um but yeah, out of body, what what's up? Yeah, hell yeah. I'd love to see that space. But I was just, you know, jumping in because you know, that's like 
one of the things that like draw drew me so much to like the music nft thing was just feeling so disheartened by like the the itunes like model and the spotify model but like not just that this like it's so fun what you can do and all the different options like it's it's like a no-brainer especially for someone starting out i will say somebody who's like already got a following and already got something going for them that like I, I understand like how that could be a challenge because, you know, that's even like a challenge for people who are getting into like when they have a large following, but then they start doing like live shows and how do like they translate that large following to the live performances and stuff. And like with the NFT community, it seems just everywhere you go, it's so much about the community building and just like that. I, I almost like, you know, compare it to when you have like a, uh, you know, like with the food food market, like at first, you know, like especially during like a lot of the, the Walmart golden ages, like where distribution of food and like having as many people as possible was like the big thing, shipping it off from China. But now we've seen a more grown like uh, interest in like homegrown type of thing. So it's like our music artists are kind of turning into that where we want local, like not local artists, but like in local in our community, local into like what we're interested in, what we're doing. And it's like, it's such a different paradigm, but I also see why it's like a, a struggle for people who have the old um, thing and it's actually working for them. And how do they translate this into the music NFT without like completely changing gears of how you do your whole thing? Um, Cause yeah, that, that does sound like a lot to it, but it's, it's to, to take advantage of everything in the music NFT realm to me is just, it's fantastic, especially as a new artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rax, what's going on? Rax, oh, you're sorry. I was scrambling to get back He's here. He's high-fiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, not too much. I'm just at work right now. I was just going to, you know, speak a little to the to the whole pricing thing. I mean, obviously do what you feel is best for you. Um, but I think there's definitely room to, you know, just continue to hold your pricing, especially if you've already done something that's at a $10 value. Um, I don't know. I just think like, like just what, what everyone already said, like, I just agree with a lot of what was said about, you know, not going backwards on that. Cause yeah, I think it is, it would probably be a little bit difficult. I mean, it might consider it to be a little bit of a strategic um, error, maybe that it's, it's uh, it's easy to make it like an oversight on things like that, especially when you're a creative that's really trying to find different ways to execute things or you're doing multiple things and you're trying to like do multiple things at the same time. But I definitely just, you know, agree that, you know, don't, I just would suggest personally, in my opinion, not to go backwards from the price that you've already reached. Um, Cause that's not an easy thing to, to do either. So, you know, yeah, just like, Agreed. Agreed. But yeah, Robo, hopefully that's helpful. Cause like, I know you're not the artist. You're, you're literally, you're, you're the guy who's helping bring it all together. Um, so like, yeah, just, yeah, you're an advocate. And that's like almost, that's a harder job, honestly, at <laughs> the time than being the artist is like someone who's in here talking about the artist and advocating for them and trying to guide them because we know how stubborn artists can be. And I'll say that's another piece of it too, Robo, that like in music NFTs, you know, I know Finn, you know, Finn doesn't care as much about the music, but that may make it harder for you to sell these collections if he's not part of the 
group that's out here pushing the the project and like you know it's exciting that you guys sold what you sold on on stargazer um i still honestly couldn't figure it all out so like i'll say that that is definitely a hiccup where like it's learning a new platform after new platform after new platform um you're gonna find it difficult to to bring people from one to the other to the other so like that goes back to the point of like trying to pick something and stick with it and if stargazer is the thing then that's great but then like you know work on work on the delivery of how to onboard people to that platform um so that they understand because like even with sound it took me a while to figure it out um but yeah like getting finn to be a part of the promotion of this more than just posts and things like getting him on spaces the live performance beyond just the rack fm stuff like that will help promote the collection like that is the distribution line right like the whole thing about music nfts and the people who collect them is that connection point between you, the collector, and the artist who is producing the content that you want to collect. Um, that's a lot of where the value comes from beyond just the community. You know, Having hundreds or thousands of people that show up to the spaces is one component, but converting those people into collectors who actually really support what you're doing is an entirely different ballgame. So you know, just keep all those things in mind as you go forward. Um, definitely I'd, I, I'm a pr proponent of like reset your price point to where it should be or focus more on a web two model because like bringing the, the, the dollar and NFT model with music attached to it into the collector's world, you're, it's going to be weird how you're going to, you know, you would think like, oh, it's only a dollar. Like anybody would buy that. Yeah, maybe like in, in web two, they, they might've, if they could just scan their cash app and, and buy it that way. But like in Web3 and in NFTs, that's not what people are doing. If you're going to have a dollar, I mean, it's never a bad idea to have multiple price points so you don't single anyone out. You can have a $50, a $20, and a dollar. But maybe the dollar, you know, does is the dollar just a token that's a lottery ticket or something? You know, is it, you got to think about the gamification and all the crazy shit you can do to make it like fun. But if you're saying Finn just wants nothing to do with it and doesn't care, it's going to be a hard. No, 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 no. He okay, wants okay. to, no, no, it's not that he, 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 cause he's got all the terror spaces. He wants to leave it to me and I don't fucking know. I mean, guys, just as a shout uh, yeah, out, yeah, just so you yeah, know, yeah. we're not idiots. That's the piece though, right there, Robo, that's going to make it difficult to sell the song. Because like if you're not the artist, you're not the musician creating it. And so like this is the part that Web2 musicians struggle to figure out in this if they don't jump in and learn the way the music NFT community works. You can't just have somebody go promote your song for you and it's going to like sell out and get a bunch of attention. Like because in music NFTs, you as the artist garner yeah. the attention. 100%. I mean, it's the access to the artist the it's the the connection with the artist access connection i mean that's it's a whole different model and it doesn't work just like fawn said it just doesn't work any other way at least right now and look even the ogs like even nifty sax is doing you know uh piano lessons and stuff right like this isn't a place right now where you're going to be quitting your day job anytime soon, but it could be a place to build a good core following of 
really fervent people that enjoy an artist's music. And you can just build slowly on that. Uh, but, you know, I... You've even actually if the given OG... me... You've given me some ideas. You've given me some really, really good ideas. Out and that's why we're here. Yeah, we're not like shitting on this. We're we're here to help, you know, by yeah. talking about it, right? You know, it, we if we didn't like obviously like fuck with who you know you are and how we can tell like your intentions and this and that like we'd be like all right next topic like this is us you know trying to like give our input and our experience and how we see the community you know we've all been here like a pretty pretty long time uh add a body uh let's go to you real quick and then i want to hop over to tony so he said just to follow his pfp and he's on a, a space link um yeah i also pinned yeah. it up top um it's the second pin tweet from the left his new link Sick. Oh, I think so. I don't know. It was the active one. Was... Yeah. Okay. That's the active one. Yeah. That's it right there. Cool. Cool. Yeah. No, I was just going to just say, you know, just to add to it, like, I really dislike, you know, buying from any kind of uh, artist that I'm not, I'm not talking to or engaging with, or they're at least talking back with me. I think that is so much a part of the thing. Like, and I've bought from multiple ones of different types of like somebody i'll never hear anything from versus somebody who's like wow thanks so much for buying my art or just hearing anything from them or about the creative process i love it i think that that 100 adds to the value especially in the bear market like what does the value like the, the art is what speaks for itself and is the utility and everything so having just that story behind it and the relationship of and like you know like joe was saying access to somebody who you know, like giving out why they're doing this and everything it, it really adds to the whole thing makes it more fun gamifies everything and just puts you m m even if like for instance i would much rather have a uh, less expensive uh, nft from somebody who i was really you know supporting and could just really talking back and forth and i really see their future versus like you know, obviously it's valuable because they're high up person like Snoop Dogg or something, but then you never hear anything from them. It's like, I, me personally, I would place more value on the one where I am talking to that artist. Like that, that's so cool to me. I would say too, Robo, remember the, when you got me to come on Rack FM and I played for like an hour, hour and a half and we had a great time. We, you guys got to talk to me and my music and, you know, I played covers, I played originals, all those things. Now think about if I had had a promoter out there who instead showed up to that space and just played recordings of me doing it live and how different that experience would have been. And like, sure, you might have still said, oh, Fawn is really talented, but you probably would have come away from that and said, well, where the fuck is this guy? You know, I want to talk to the, the talent. I don't want to talk to the promoter. And so like, in a sense, that's part of what's happening where like there you you guys have created a disconnect between Finn and the promotion of the project which has his music attached to it and I think rejoining that connection and, and helping Finn understand that like yo you're going to have to be a part of promoting this outside of Rack FM if we want to see this have success like it's not going to be a group of promoters that are going to get the project sold, especially as you get to higher price points. Yeah, so I want to uh, end on this this one thing real quick. And, and y'all are talking about community and having access to the artists and 
and all of that, which obviously I completely agree with. I think that there's going to be an even bigger macro trend there, which is that the even in like Web 2 or like maybe Web 2 converts to Web 3, like the biggest stars, like we're having a shift in how um, major artists even need to communicate with their uh, fans, right? Because of TikTok, because of IG, now obviously because of like, you know, what we're seeing evolve in Web3 is like this emergence of like a citizen artist, right? Because everyone's wisening up, everyone's getting smarter, everyone understands like what's happening in industries and they want to build like relationship with that artist and like to piggyback that on even more with the emergence of AI and, you know, a deep fake or like generated songs like provenance is going to matter more than ever. Like people form like in and out groups, right? And so the artists that go live all the time, the artists that like talk with the community, even if they are on a space and they're a super star and they can't talk to every person if the community feels like they can like have a like touch them even one time a week or three times a week or five times a week like that's going to be the new model even for the big dogs i mean just look at like live streamers right they're making ass loads of money and they're there consistently every day communicating with their community i mean honestly i think they're kind of the front runners of this and like music artists are going to have to catch on to that later this is the new model like overall, like, you know, I'm kind of reading a paper on that right now. And like, it's this guy who's, you know, predicted like every stage of like marketing and like the economy. And he calls like this next final stage, like a citizen artist, just like look at citizen journalists. Right. I mean, and how much impact they're making like right now and how much, you know, people are shifting to listen to them. This is like, this is the new era. And I think, you know, with the emergence of AI, one, people just wisening up and two, the emergence of AI, it's going to be even more necessary because people, no matter what they have for all of time, try to connect with people, want to connect with people and connect with them as deeply as they can. And, um, you know, it's going to, I think AI is going to pro proliferate that. So the sooner we get into that and the sooner we build those habits and the sooner we realize like just building relationships with like fans and collectors is more fulfilling to the artists as well and better and more fun and more what it's about because at the end of the day, you're writing music for yourself, but also for fans. This is, this is where the future's headed. So even, you know, just to piggyback, like of course on web three in general and like while you get on spaces and you're building connections and community and relationship with your collector, I think that that's going to become a general thing in the market that is necessary. And this is like the microcosm where we're seeing it first, that and with live streamers. And of course, like Drake and, and people like them, I mean, they're part of like the quote old world. So they don't necessarily have to do that anymore, but the emerging people I think will. Um, I mean, even like when you look at big artists that have popped up like a Jack Harlow or a, I don't know, um, what's her name, Olivia Rodrigo, like they were live all the time and communicating with their fans. And, you know, of the quote old world artists, the biggest ones and the biggest one in the world, Taylor Swift was like active with her community like crazy. So there's already this social proof of that. Um, and I think it's just going to, in the next 5, 10, 20, 50 years, almost going to become like a requirement. And it makes sense. All right. I'm hopping over to Tony's. Yeah. Let's go to, let's go to Tony's. Yeah. Uh, 
appreciate everyone for coming through. You already know we're going to be here tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Fuck the FUD. And um, guys, there's a link. There's a link to uh, Finn's on a creator space tomorrow for his uh, featured slot. So we've got a featured slot on Stargaze on Friday, 10 days after the last drop. Uh, the space is up there. Be, feel free to drop in and the lovely guys like it's a, it's a decent conversation with you know it's a, just an nft blockchain that's all i do is nfts it's a hope you know a lot of applications uh built on it i think 20 27 applications built on stargaze yeah man it's up there so help yourselves guys see you tomorrow hopefully yeah yeah everyone check that out i appreciate you robo for coming through and, and igniting this conversation um but everyone have a blessed rest of your day go ahead over to tony's and uh, it's peace and love it's fuck the fud let's win we're gonna win Y'all have a good one. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days. Got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear Flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting knotters And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hot Stage. Like the shit is play for keeps clowns white knight and all these Maybelines. They call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats. Tearing apart your community, all these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege, commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the street. Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served